Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. So the title of the talk that I have today is is this, First Fruits Over Fear. Let me say it again, First Fruits Over Fear. Now, I don't know if you guys watch the news. Hopefully, you read the Bible more than you watch the news because the more you watch the news, the more fear just gets shot at you. The more you read the Bible, the more faith just rises up in you, amen? But, you know, I follow a lot of financial news. I, I enjoy just learning about the economy. I like to invest in the market. I, I, it's just something I enjoy learning about. And something that I've noticed recently, uh, all of the talking heads and the Instagram pages, everybody's freaking out about the economy, man. Have you guys noticed that? I've noticed that. You know, I, I, I read a news article uh, this week. Uh, our president made a statement in his address from the Oval Office that we had avoided a financial crisis because a bill uh, was finalized this week, the debt ceiling bill. And thank God that we've avoided financial crisis. But I know that a lot of people have those words at the front of their mind and they're thinking, we are on the brim of destruction. I better protect everything that I have. I better watch out for my resources because I don't know what's going to happen. The world outside of my house is very scary and crazy and I don't know which way's up or down. And I know there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of anxiety right now concerning our money. And that's why I've titled this talk, First Fruits Over Fear, because I know you know this legacy, but it does not matter what the markets say. It does not matter what the news says. It does not matter what your social media feed says. It does not matter how much fear is confronting you. We know that we are fastened, we are anchored to an unshakable kingdom where Jesus reigns supreme. And it doesn't matter what fear says, we know what God says through the word. And we know that he will keep us, he will protect us, he will strengthen us, and he will bless us despite what's happening around us in Jesus' name. Do you, do you believe that as well? So, so that's why we're going to talk about uh, first fruits over fear. Now, being generous, that's mark number nine of a book of Acts Church. It's radical generosity, right? We got people coming to the apostles and they're laying down house deeds and they're laying down money and they sold their boat and they, you know, canceled their vacation and they gave everything to meet the needs of the people who were a part of the community. We call that radical generosity. But radical generosity is not about an amount. It's not about you giving a certain amount. Radical generosity is also not about you giving a percentage. All right, it's not about that. Generosity is about a heart attitude that is partnered with an action of faith. That's what generosity is about. It's about being affected, influenced by the voice of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, influencing your heart to say, I want to be obedient. I want to take a step of faith, and I want to respond to how God's moving upon me to give in such a way. It may seem reckless to other people, but I know if I'm obedient to him, it's righteous. That's generosity. That's what generosity is. And if you want to be a generous person, I haven't met many Christians who don't want to be more generous, by the way. But if you want to be a generous person, it starts with a profound biblical principle called first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. Now, I know I'm talking about money in June, so you just got to put your thinking cap on, you know. Everybody say first fruits. That's where generosity begins. I've never met a believer that wouldn't confess we should give to God 
all that we can, including our money. But unfortunately, uh, many Christians have never been taught why we should give to God financially or how we are to give financially. But the Bible clearly teaches us about these essential principles and practices. So it's up to us to take what God has to say about our resources and choose to be joyfully obedient and give by faith and watch how God backs up his word and protects and blesses his people that no matter what crisis is happening around us, God will keep us stable as his disciples. So this whole concept of first fruits, it really starts in the book of Leviticus. So what happens is uh, the Jews, the Hebrew people, they come into a new land called Canaan. And when they step into this land, God speaks to them and gives them a command. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 10, it says, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. Of your harvest to the priest. That's bringing it to the priest in the sanctuary. This is when the concept of first fruits gets enacted. And it's around the time of Passover. We know Passover was celebrated recently. And it was around the time that the first fruits began to appear. You have to remember that uh, the scripture was written mostly to people who lived in an agrarian society. So they were farmers. They understood the principles of agriculture. So I want you to imagine for a moment that you yourself also are a farmer. Some of you guys are like, that's not hard. I have a homestead. I'm a doomsday prepper. You've heard the news. I've got five chickens now, so hey, it me. You know, um, so much fun. But imagine for a moment you're a farmer, and so you have a bunch of acreage, and you have fruit or vegetables or whatever it is that you farm, and they're starting to, um, you know, come to fruition you begin to see some of the fruits ripen so the concept of the first fruits is this you go through your farm and that initial ripening not most of it not even 90 percent of it but that first portion of fruit that begins to ripen you take all of that off of the vine you put that in a barrel and you bring that to the house of God and you present it to the priest and you say here is my offering it is my first fruits it's what we call a tithe it is first and it is the best that's where the concept of the first fruits come in now how many of you would agree that it would take some faith to go through all of your crops and pull all of the ripened crops even though it wasn't a lot by comparison to the whole it was still ripe and you knew you could eat it how many guys know it would take some faith to take those first before you've seen the rest of it come up But you see, that's what tithing is. It is an act of faith because it takes no faith to pay God last. It's not tithing if you let all of the crop come up, bring it all into your barn, and then you say, well, let me find 10% of it, slice it off, and then bring that to God as a tithe. Yes, tithing means a tenth, but it's more than a tenth. It's not not just 10%, it's the first 10%. See, and this is why I say a lot of people, they think of tithing as as a tenth. And some people don't think of tithing as a tenth because they've never heard that. That's exactly what it means. A lot of Christians think of tithing as tipping. Right? So they're like, hey, the service was really good today. 
You know, it's kind of like the service at the restaurant was really good today, so I'm going to give them a little bit more than, you know, what they're owed. Right? But this is not about what you owe to the church for the services that the ministry provides you. It's about your obedience unto the Lord as he declares over you, just like he declared over Israel. The first fruits belong to me, and I want them. Are you with me? So I realized it would take some faith to gather those up, but that is the act of tithing. It is a heart attitude that is obedient to the Lord, partnered with a faith action to give to God what he says belongs to him. So that's first fruits historically. And let me define it for you a little bit through the Hebrew concept. Uh, first fruits is the chief part, the first ripened part of the incoming harvest. The first fruits of a crop yet to be harvested. This Hebrew word actually appears 16 times in the Old Testament and it refers to the first grain or to the first harvest that was offered to God in recognition of God's ownership of the land and his sovereignty over nature. How many of you guys know God owns 100% of it? Right? He owns it all. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. All the money in your bank account is his. Right? And so one of the ways that we communicate that and we worship him through our resources is by bringing our first fruits, which is what he asked for. And he said they belong to him. So when you think about generosity, generosity happens after the first tenth. You with me? That's generosity. Obedience is what you do with the first tenth. Because it's not yours. Right? Like, if you gave me a $100 bill, and then in a few hours you're like, hey, give me my $100 bill back. And you were like, no. I'd be like, hold on. Wait, what? it's my $100. I gave it to you to hold for a few. Give me my $100 bill. That's like tithing with the Lord. He's like, dude, I put the money in your pocket. No, 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 it's mine. No, it's all mine. I just let you put it in your pocket. Now give me that back. You see how crazy not tithing sounds when you put it in that, in that framework? But that, 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 that's tithing. God, God keep, allows us to keep the 90 if we'll honor him with our first and our best, which is the first fruits. And so first fruits, uh, the definition is the first and the best part of the harvest that's given to God, representative of the whole harvest, declaring all belongs to him and all is provided by him. Now, I realize that for some of us in here, you might be thinking, I would tithe, but I can't afford to tithe. You're, you've yet to learn about the crazy amount of benefits and blessings that come to you as a result of your obedience to God and partnering your faith with him and tithing in the way that he's told us to. I promise you, because I know some people have told me, well, I want to tithe. I hear the message. I hear you, pastor. Actually, I want to tithe, but you know, my lifestyle won't allow me to tithe. Well, you don't you don't not tithe because your lifestyle won't allow it. You change your lifestyle so that you can tithe. Listen, God is not a part of your life. You are a part of his. So when we tell God, now I would tithe, but my lifestyle doesn't, doesn't permit it. Hold on, wait. I thought everything belonged to me, including the breath in your lungs. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right, God. That's right. You're not a part of my life. You don't just get a little piece of the pie, a little sliver that I cut off and share with you on Sunday mornings two times out of the four a month. No, 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 no. I am in your life. I am in Christ Jesus. I have been saved. Everything that I have, all that I am, all that I'm good for, it all belongs to you. You see what I'm saying? 
So that's, that's another reason why we tithe. And it's a defining moment when you begin to tithe. I promise you, what I'm giving you today is I'm not trying to shake you down. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not trying to push you to give under compulsion. I'm not going to take up an offering after this, all right? So just chill, all right? You don't have to stress out, all right? But what I'm telling you is, is it's a defining moment in your life when you will receive this key and understand that first fruits giving is the foundation of good financial stewardship in the kingdom of God. There is nobody that can say, I am a wise steward for God that doesn't tithe. You can't because first fruits giving is the foundation of wise biblical stewardship with our finances. And if you will step over that threshold and you will say, this is the type of disciple that I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be obedient to God in all facets of my life, including my finances. What you're gonna notice is that there's a defining moment when you put that stake in the ground and your life will change after that moment. Why? Because all of the promises of God that are attached to that obedient act That's why Proverbs chapter 3 tells us this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first. Everybody say the first. First. What does God call the first? The best. Everybody say the best. The best part of all your income. Then. Everybody say then. Then. You notice how it equates to a result? Then your barns will be full. I don't have a barn, but I got a checking account. You know what I mean? I, 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 I want my barn to be full. How about you guys? Then your vats will overflow with fresh wine. Amen. All the soccer moms in here. Wine. Amen. There's all these memes online about, you know, moms and the wine. If you look at it in the message version, it says this. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best, which is the tithe. And then your barns will burst and your wine vats will brim over. First fruits giving actually defines your financial life. And I want to encourage you, if you're not doing it, or you've slipped back from doing it, or you've forgotten to do it, I want you to know God is just as passionate about you giving your first fruits to him as he was when you were doing it before. Repent, move forward, and begin to do it again because I want your barn to be full and I want your vats to be running over. I'm not sharing this word with you to get anything from you. I'm sharing this word to give something to you because God wants you to be blessed. But if you're going to be blessed by God, you've got to live rightly by God's word. You with me? Okay. So let me give you some, you know, just statements about what first fruits is. First fruits giving is setting aside the first and the best. In Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 35, it says, We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Right? And that's where tithe belongs. I don't have time to go into a long study on this, but I know sometimes people are like, oh, I, I give 10% to God. Yes, you put that in the storehouse. All right, you put that in the the local church that you belong to. It's not sliced up and you give it to wherever you want to. In the same way that God has a holy prescription about how we are to steward our finances, he has a holy prescription about where we are to place those finances when it comes time to give in first fruits. And you'll see that in the scripture. And there is no evidence of any other location as to where the first fruits need to be given. And I know sometimes, like, I'm getting real with you guys now, but sometimes like, we're like, well, you know, I don't want to give that much money to the church. Well, why is that? Well, that's just too much. Says who? You or God? Is it your first? Is it your best? Yes and yes. Okay, then do what God told you to do with your resources. 
right? So uh, we know what Nehemiah 10 says. We obligate ourselves. In Genesis chapter 4, the reason why uh, God looked upon Abel with regard and Cain with disregard is because Cain brought his leftovers. And I think this is what happens for a lot of Christians today is like we hear messages on tithing, but we're not bringing our first and we're not bringing our best like Abel. We're actually bringing our leftovers like Cain. Look, church is not the goodwill, right? It's not where you bring the stuff that you don't want anymore, that you can't use anymore, or that's gotten old that you're not interested in anymore. It's not like, hey, I got my paycheck. I've spent all that I want to spend. And at the end of the month, if I happen to have enough, hopefully I'll have 10%. But if I don't, God knows my heart, you know, grace. And, um, and I'll just give whatever I got. That is the same type of offering that Cain gave whenever he picked a couple of goats that were mangy and nobody wanted to eat and they looked sick and, sick and diseased. And he said, yeah, this is just what I'm going to give to God. And God said, I don't have a regard for that offering because it's not your best and it's not your first. It's actually your leftovers. And I don't want that. I want the first fruits. I want the first and the best, which is why when Abel brought his crop, the Bible tells us that he brought the first of his crop, the best of his crop, and that's why God looked upon it and said, I like this offering. So we don't treat God like the goodwill. We bring him our first and we bring him our best. Colossians chapter 3 says this, servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best. Have you thought about that recently? Like, are you doing your best? For the Lord in regards with your financial stewardship of the income that you receive every couple of weeks? Do your best, God says. We cannot tolerate a culture of mediocre, leftover giving at Legacy Nashville. That's not who we are. That's not who this family is. And I know we love to say as charismatic Pentecostals, I will not offer up to the Lord that which cost me nothing. Right, and what do we mean? Prayer, praise, worship. I'm gonna get crazy. I let's go. I love God. I serve in the kids. And then, like, you hear a message on tithing. It's like surrender switch off. Like any place in your life where you turn the surrender switch off is just a revelation of where you don't trust God. That's it. All you're doing is communicating to him, I trust you with my prayer. I trust you with my praise. I trust you with my worship. I trust you with my time. But that money thing, yo, I don't really trust you with that, God. Why is that? Oh, because of my history. You don't know my story, Pastor Lau. You don't know what I, how I came up. Allow the Holy Spirit to rewrite your history. He's a better father, even if he had a great father, than the best father. It's so important that we understand this. Because this is just one of those places where that surrender switch turns off. And all it is, church, is a revelation of distrust. In any place where we trust the Lord is that place where that surrender switch is turned on to the full. And you're like, God, I don't even care. Whatever you want, you've got it. Because it all belongs to you anyway. If you want me to give today, I'm giving today. If you want me to give next month, I'm giving next month. You want me to save, do something else because you want me to bless somebody or sow into a missionary or sow into a... It's done. It's already settled because I trust you. And I know my little bit is so much more in your hand than it could ever be in my wallet. This is so important for us to learn. I remember my pastor in Texas used to say, the most sensitive nerve in a man's body runs right through his wallet. Right? But this is an area of our life where God wants to come after so that we can have explicit trust for him in that area. 
that we're not playing defense, we're not protecting the little bit that we have, but we're playing kingdom offense with the resources that God has put into our hand. Okay, so let me, let me just, you guys doing okay? Maybe I should like slow down, check on you a little bit. Um, so you, how many of you guys remember the parable of, of the talents? Remember the parable of the talents? And so like the, the guy, you know, he gives three, three guys talents, right? And the one guy who got the, less, the, the least amount, what did he do with it? He buried it, right? So let's put that in modern vernacular. He put that in a savings account. No interest, no APY. He didn't go with Apple. Apple's got that 4.4% right now, apparently. He didn't go with Apple. And then whenever the guy came back and the dude took the money out of the savings account and brought it to him, what did he say? You wicked, slothful guy. And he's like, hold on, bro. He put it in a savings account. Why you got to call the man wicked? He protected it. God doesn't look at savings alone as good stewardship. When you want to look at good stewardship biblically, you got to look at multiplication. So it's not just about what ta- what, taking what you got and playing defense with it. It's about taking what you got and putting it in the hand of the Lord and saying, Lord, teach me how to multiply these little loaves and fishes. I know it ain't a whole lot, but you can do a whole lot with just a little bit. Because even when you break it and you bless it, you can feed 5,000 through this little paycheck. So I know that my 10% is greater for the kingdom in the hand of God than my 90% in my savings account. I don't know how this is going over so far. Don't worry, there's only like nine minutes left, so you can breathe, breathe, just breathe. <laughs> if you got a mom sitting next to you, a soccer mom, she might be able to offer you some wine after this, but she does do yoga, so just ask her how to do it, all right? <laughs> Francis Schaeffer said this, stewardship is a reflection of our spiritual condition. You ever notice that anytime you're stewarding your finances well, tend to be the seasons you look back on and recognize you're stewarding your spiritual life well? You ever notice that the seasons you seem to be most on fire for God are the seasons that you're not protecting your finances? You're saying, God, whatever you want. You ever notice that? Whatever you want, God. And that, I think that's what Francis was saying here. Stewardship is a reflection of our spiritual condition. We should never separate money and finances from our spiritual life. No, they are a part of it. Jesus himself said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? Now, our culture loves to read that scripture the wrong way. And we say, wherever my heart is, is where my treasure will be. Meaning my money will follow my passion. No, it won't. Jesus said that your passion will follow your money. So wherever you invest your money, you can expect your heart to follow. And this is one of the reasons why I'm a big believer in sowing into people that offend you. <laughs> Listen, if there's somebody that you don't like, cash app them. If anybody cash apps me right now, we're done. <laughs> Some, somebody actually cash at me for service because I, I thought of that and I brought it up. And they just said, I hate you. <laughs> but it was only a dollar, so I wasn't offended. It was just a joke. And I won't call him out. It was Malachi. <laughs> just a joke. Um, but you ever notice it's hard to root against somebody you've invested in? How many of y'all invest in a stock and then pray it goes down? 
No, you pray it goes up, right? And so that's what you do. When you invest in other people, you're like, man, this person, I'm not really seeing them in the way that Jesus sees them. So I'm going to invest in them so that I can start to root for them because I want to see my stock rise and I want to see God get his glory out of this person. So I'm going to sow in. But a lot of times we think, oh, well, you know, if I'm passionate about it, then money will follow me. No, if you're passionate about something, it'll show up in your bank statement. You can tell me these are my values, this is my lifestyle, this is what I love, this is what I care most about. But if I go and look at your bank statement, that will actually reveal what, you're, what you value the most. It, it does. That's what it reveals. Because your heart will always follow your treasure. Wherever your investments are, that's where your attention will go. Is it true? It's true. And so if you struggle with loving the church, can I encourage you to tithe? I promise you, you will have a new vantage point on the church as soon as you start investing in the church. Instead of rooting against it and hoping that it dies, you'll say, you know what, I'm going to get behind what Jesus is building. And I'm going to be a part of it. And I'm going to sow into it. I'm going I'm to be a part, be a part of, of what God is doing in my local church. Amen? Amen. So stewardship defined is just careful and responsible management of all that God has entrusted to our care. And that includes our time, strength, our talents, as well as our money. So let me give you some other quick thoughts real quick because I'm going to come to a close. But first fruits giving is setting aside the first and the best. First fruits giving is acknowledging that all good things come from God and that everything belongs to God. That's something that we get to do. Leviticus 27 teaches us that every tithe of the land, whether it's seed or whether it's fruit, it belongs to the Lord. And God actually refers to our tithe as a holy offering. I mean, if, for, for all of us that care about holiness... If we catch the revelation that God looks at the 10%, the first and the best, and he said, this right here is consecrated. I think that would be enough to impassion us to give in the tithe every single time we get a check. And I mean first and best. I'm not talking about going, paying all your bills, going to the movies, having fun, and then if you get to the end of the month and you happen to have enough, you give. No, you give first. And, I, I, and, and that is a way of, of prioritizing. This is what matters most in my life. It is God. It's what God's doing in my life. Everything that I receive, my best belongs to him. My first belongs to him. It's why we go to church on the first day of the week. It's why the first thing we do in the morning is pray. It's why the first thing we do is open the Bible. It's because we are communicating to our day. doesn't matter what happens after this moment, but I'm going to go in the secret place first because this is the best of my day. This is the best of my life, and this is separated for God because it's holy. Doesn't matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to get to church because it's the first day of the week. It's the best of my energy. I know I'm busy on Wednesday, but I'm not going to change my schedule on the basis of what's happening at work. I'm going to let what God's doing in my life change my posture about what's happening at work. So I'm going to get to church. Are you with me? I'm talking about not, you know, keeping your lifestyle and making excuses. I'm talking about changing your lifestyle so that you can be obedient. We got to get rid of the excuses. We got to say, nope, God gets my best and God gets my first because that's holy unto the Lord. And I want to live a lifestyle of holiness. Amen? Amen. And it belongs to him. First fruits giving is first in time. It's a pledge of hope for the greater harvest that is yet to be reaped. That's another aspect of first fruits. People have asked me before, uh, you know, hey, do you tithe on your, on, your, on your gross or on your net? 
right? Do you tithe on pre or post taxes? I personally tithe on pre-tax. And here's why. Because I want to give to God before I give to Uncle Sam. And I want to communicate, God, you are my provider. I, 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 I pray for my government. I love my country. But they're not my provider. They're not my savior. I, I pray for my president, my governor, my mayor, everybody who's in authority over us as the Bible teaches us to do. But they're not my savior. They're not my I pray for my employer, which is the Lord in this scenario. I, I pray for the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Um, you know, but I, I pray and, 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 you know, whoever your employer is, you pray for them. But you know what? That employer is not your provider. God is your provider. And that's why you give to him first. And you recognize, hey, God's just blessing you to get it to me. Right? You're not my savior. God uses people to bless people. First fruits giving is first in time. So you want to do that first. First. First fruits giving is a special way to express trust in God's protective and provisional power that he's provided the first fruits and that he will also provide an abundant harvest. All right. First fruits giving begins with the first part, which is called the tithe. This is where I'm going to finish. So Malachi chapter 3. You, if you've been in church all your life, you knew at some point in time, I won't get to Malachi 3. But I'm not going to emphasize what you might think I'm going to emphasize. But verse 8 through 10 says this, Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But you say, how have we robbed you? And God says, in your tithe and in your contributions. You're cursed with a curse. Thank you, Jesus, for redeeming us from curses. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe. Everybody say the full tithe. Full tithe. Not 9.2%. You know, not the leftovers. Not a tip. Not if I got it. Not if I feel like it. No, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby, you see, you see where he tells you to bring it? Storehouse, bring it, bring it in my storehouse. Why? So that there's going to be food in my house. God wants to bless the church through you. Do you believe that? Yeah. He does. And thereby put me to the test. This is why we have a tithing test here. You can go to our website. We have a 90-day tithe challenge. If, if none of you have tithe, not none of you here, that's the 12 p.m. But if nobody in here has tithed or somebody in here has not tithed in a while, you can go to our uh, website and you can sign up for our 90-day tithe challenge. And here's the tithe challenge. If you commit to giving God your first and giving God your best through your tithe, the first 10% of your income, and you don't see God do precisely what he promises to do in the word, we will refund you all of your money. We do that because we believe in what the word of God says. God said, test me in this. And so we partner with the word of God and we say, God, we will test you in this and we'll create a risk-free opportunity for people to test you as well. And if they don't see the fruit of the word of God come to pass in their life, we'll refund their money. We've been doing this now for four years and I, we've never had anybody ask for their money back. Never have. But you know what we have have? Testimonies. You'll never believe what happened. Try me. You'll never believe what God did. Go ahead. Try me. I called my debt collector and they said they have no record. Yeah, I know. Because there have been testimonies over the years of so much supernatural debt cancellation. And I can't guarantee that's exactly what's going to happen to you. But I know the word says what he does for one, he'll do for another. And so we believe for unexpected blessings. You'll never believe I got a promotion on my job. I got a 20% raise. Yeah, I believe it. You started putting God first with your money, and now you notice that blessings coming in. Yes. 
There's a righteous way of living. He said, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Get this. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. Until there is no more need. Do you have a need? Do you have a financial need? If so, ask yourself the question, am I tithing in according to God's protocol, biblical protocol? So, you know, here's three things from, from these. You can write them down real quick because these are the blessings that come as a result of the tithe. Number one is open windows of heaven. I don't know about you, but I want open windows of heaven over my house. How about you? Uh, that means to throw open, to make suddenly and dramatically more accessible, to throw open with great force, to reopen and no barriers. That's what God says. That's a blessing that's embedded within the tithe. Number two is blessings multiplied. And that's to transmit from God's abundance to our needs. The Hebrew word here, blessing, means to endue with power for success, to receive prosperity, longevity, and abundance. And number three is blessings of rebuking the devourer. And that's Genesis 14, 20. And blessed be the God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gives them a tenth of everything. He tithes. This prevents pests from devouring your crops. It guards your crops from insects, devourers, and it keeps it. And so I want to ask you, church, to make a personal commitment to giving in your first fruits. This is the protocol that the Bible teaches Christians to give. It's a principle. Notice this. It is not a law. All right? If you don't tithe, I'm not telling you anything bad's going to happen to you. I remember growing up as a kid, preachers just preaching all kinds of crazy heresy and saying all these bad things that are going to happen to you. You'd be like, my washer broke. That's because you're not tithing. Well, maybe it's just old. I tithe, you know. So it's not a law. It's not, it's not like I'm telling you, you have to do this. But what I'm telling you, it's life. It's life to the people who choose to say, the saints of God who choose to say, I'm going to give God my first and my best. It's a life-giving principle. It's a principle. All right? It's not, it's not a commandment. But I, I, here's what I want to ask you to do. All right? Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to ask the Lord if this word is from him. That, that's, that's it. I just want you to ask the Lord, is this word from you? And if the Holy Spirit says yes to you, and you feel yes, and you feel peace in your heart, then I want to ask you another question. Ask God. What do, what do you want me to do with it? And, you know, I believe that every word is for everybody. You know how sometimes you come to church and you're like, I mean, once again, it's just, the, it's the 12. It's not anybody in here at 1030. But, you know, it's like, that word wasn't for me today. Can I encourage you? Never leave church saying that word wasn't for me. Every word is for you. If it comes from the Bible, it's God's word to you. And so maybe there's a way, you know, maybe today is not your day to be reminded that you should tithe or that you need to begin tithing again. Maybe you, you tithe. Maybe you give an offering. Maybe you do everything God's asked you to do. But maybe God is just reminding you to pray for your brothers and sisters who are a part of your family, part of your church, to do what God's asked them to do with their finances. Every word is for everybody. So if this word is from the Holy Spirit for you, let's just ask them. What am I supposed to do with it? And uh, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to take an offering today. You don't have to give. That's not the point right now. But I, I do want to put the giving QR code. Uh, and the reason for that is because if anybody just needs to take a picture of it and just say, this is going to be my lifestyle now. 
From now on, this is what I'm doing. And listen, if that's you today, you don't have to go back and pay like back taxes. That's not required. All right? God's not reviewing your past. He died for you when you were an enemy of his. God is a God of a good future and a hopeful future. And if that's you and you need to put a stake in the ground today, don't go back and review old stuff. Just make a commitment today. So this is, for, for me and my house, this is the way we're going to move into the future. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand. As we're standing, just put your hand on your heart and just say, God, I surrender to you. Come on, let's say it loud. Say, God, I surrender to you. In all things, you are the Lord of my life. In any way that I'm holding back from you. Holy Spirit, I ask you to teach me to trust my Father who is good and who provides. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we bless the Lord together? Amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.